Hello there, my friend. Welcome back to the Lucky Titan Podcast. And guys, I'm here to talk about a topic today with you with my buddy Shaheen Cheyenne. Now, if you haven't heard his name, I'd be surprised. This guy is a killer in the space of podcasting and guesting on podcasts. Now, here's the kicker. The reason I brought him in is because I knew that we could have a killer conversation about podcasting. And honestly, I don't feel like we disappointed. It was a such an awesome um, conversation we had. That's, we're pulling this from our library of content. I've been This is one of those interviews I've been waiting and saying, I want to release this at the right time. And the truth is, in 2023, this is the perfect time to start leveraging podcasts to be able to scale your business. Now, whether you want to have your own or you want to sell to, on somebody else's audience or, or attract somebody else's audience, this is the way to go about it. It's through podcasting. So I'm very excited to have you here today. And if you're saying, Josh, okay, that's all fine and dandy, but how do I do this when I don't have a lot of time? Shaheen solves that problem. He shares one of the fastest ways to get on shows as quickly as humanly possible without you feeling like you have to put in the work yourself. So guys, very, very excited about that today. And please, if you've loved this interview or any other interview, please hit the subscribe button and the bell notification if you are on YouTube so that we can continue bringing you amazing content. And please, please, please share this with somebody who could really use the help, especially in the podcasting realm. So before we dive in as well, I want to just share a quick message from my sponsor. Now, for those of you who don't know Repurpose House yet, I'd be surprised because I talk about them consistently. This is an incredible company where if you've been that kind of person who's recorded an incredible piece of content, you spoke on stage, you thought it was going to hit, you published it on social media and there was just crickets. These are the people that you need to hire. What Repurpose House does is they will take that clip and they'll say, you know what? It didn't hit once. What if we were to tease it and then add a whole bunch of other really cool branded social media content around it and distribute it in front of thousands and thousands of people? If we did the distribution, what would happen then? Now, guys, these guys are fantastic at what they do. They've worked with Tony Robbins, Dean Graciosi, me, right? Some of the top names in the industries. <laughs> That's funny. It makes me sound like, hey, I, I think I'm the number one in the industry. I'll, I'll claim that throne. But uh, what I can tell you guys is that they work with some of the top names in each of their sectors and they have done some incredible work. And here's the cool part. I've allowed you to skip the line. Um, if you head over to repurposehouse.com forward slash Titan, you'll be able to actually skip the line, hop on a call directly with their team, and they'll guide you right through the process so that you can actually scale your own content without you having to do a lot of work. Because here's the thing, guys, they're just like us in our company in the sense of their goal is to have you show up, record, walk away. Incredible service. So once again, head over to repurposehouse.com forward slash Titan. All right. Ready to go? Ready. All right. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again. Welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And guys, I have to tell you, it's been a while since I've recorded an episode. We've been heads down in mergers and acquisitions and getting all sorts of companies reaching out to us and legal shenanigans. So it's really good to have a chance to sit down with my guest today. We had such an awesome conversation pre this, this interview about really what he's done. So I should probably just tell you guys his name. Otherwise, you're going to say, okay, who is this guy? So this is Shaheen Cheyenne. This guy, to be honest, I've heard his name before. I didn't even tell you that, Shaheen. I'd heard you before. I was like, hey, this guy's a, he's kind of a big deal. So he's done over a billion dollars in sales on Amazon. He did it before he was, okay, I have to correct this, around the time he was 18. He was not before he was 18. But I mean, I think most of us would be happy at a million dollars at 18 years old. But he's gone on to do some seriously successful companies, done multiple exits. And the reason why I wanted to bring him on here today is I really have been getting a lot of feedback from all of you talking about 
the way that that successful people think about how they structure businesses, how they scale businesses. And honestly, Shaheen, like I was very excited to bring you on to talk about this because you've done pretty much every type of exit that most people would look at, right? Of of retiring, of of doing sales, of doing going public, all of the all the different types. So very excited to have you here. So first off, say what's up to everybody and we'll hop in. What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited about this conversation. Yeah, it'll be a great one, man. I'm very excited. Uh, very excited to have you on here. And I've, you know, do you know Roland Frazier by chance? I don't. You don't? He's a guy I need to connect you with. He's he's another big player in this space. I just had a conversation with him about a month ago about this topic. So I'm really curious to see how your answers are similar or they vary. Um, but I want to ask you this, Shane, just kind of kick it off. Out of all of the exits you've done, what would you say is your favorite one so far? The favorite one as far as the company or the exit itself? The exit in and of itself. The exit itself. Um, You know, I've had a lot of different exits in my time. And honestly, here's the funny thing. And I know it's not like directly answering your question. Because my my answer would kind of be like, they're all kind of the same, right? You get paid, you get out. I always think to myself, man, you know, as soon as I sell this company, right? And when you build a company as entrepreneurs, we're like, man, we're going to get in. We're going to get out two years. It's going to be great. Here's all the things. Five years later, you're still sitting in the fucking thing. You're going like, oh my God, is this going to happen? Is it going to happen? And if you play your cards right and you've taken the right actions, you've built it right, a good team, good process, good people, all that stuff, good product, at the end, you're going to get a sale because it's going to be saleable. And I always think to myself, man, we're going to be cruising Greek Isles, hanging out somewhere. It's going to be chill. And you have this idea of like how your life's going to be after the sale. And the crazy thing about me, and I tell myself every single time I'm not going to do this, is that before the deal closes, I'm already on to the next thing. Right. And I think this is a little tick with entrepreneurs, especially if you're an alpha entrepreneur, that you don't stop. And that when you make a sale, you move right on to the next one. And this is interesting because... When I started, so I left home when I was really young, like 15, went out to start my own business, and I didn't have any money, any resources. I created a, a billion-dollar company in my late teens, early 20s, and I remember one of the most important things that I learned was when I started doing door-to-door sales. I tried a bunch of like shit, dead-end jobs and door-to-door sales of whatever freaking tickets or whatever it was they were making <laughs> a sell at that time, some bullshit job. The thing that I learned from that job, and I think it was my purpose there, was going door to door and taking tons of rejection, was that when you make a sale, immediately go out there and make another sale. So it's kind of like the idea of elite runners, right? These elite runners never look at the finish line. They're always aimed few hundred feet past the finish line because they know if they stop at the finish line before they stop, some other dude's going to pass them, pass them, pass them by. So it's a similar thing I feel with sales and with business that you always, once you make a sale, you go with that momentum because you're like 90% more likely to make a sale because you've got all those good vibes going. You've got the energy going. You've got the positivity going. You've got that affirmation going. And so I feel by default, I've done that with every single business that I've started. And I've probably started hundreds by now. So, and they're all my babies. And I love yeah. every single one that I that I start. And 
always, once we finally get an accepted offer and the money's getting ready to be transferred to us, I'm always like, fuck, did I really do this? Like that company's going to be so big. It's going to feel so good. You know, if I just, you know, but it's, it's seller's remorse. So I think if you do your job, right, you will have seller's remorse on the exit. <laughs> and you know it's funny. You said you didn't. It was a roundabout answer, but you answered it in a really succinct, like in a really powerful way. Is that in, you know when I when I've asked this question in the past, and I ask people, you know what what it's like, they'll be like, oh yeah, I went I went off and I I vacationed for five years, which is never true. It's never true. If you actually ask them, all of them have what what I like to call like opportunity overlap, like you said. By the time that they get into the sale the selling process or going public or something, that's a six month to a year, even a two year process. And to get it done. And they're already on to the next business the second they've decided to sell. And it's really funny to watch that overlap because by the time the other ones get sold, they're like, oh, finally, now I can focus on this new venture, right? <laughs> yeah. And how much relaxing can you fucking take, man? Like right. if you're an entrepreneur and your drive is building things, making impact, like, cool. So I took my family just pre-COVID and we went to Italy and Greece and we sailed Greece and we hung out in Italy. How many fucking pastas and coliseums and stuff like that can you see? After two, three weeks, I'm like looking at my wife. I'm like, you having a great time? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what are you most excited about? She's like, getting back. (laughs) (laughs) So excited to go home. (laughs) So excited to go home. Yeah. Right. And and I think, you know, look, there, there, there is a need to be able to take lots of breaks and reevaluate and to do a year-end review and to do weekly reviews and daily reviews and to have introspection and retrospect, be able to look back on the business and your life and all that stuff. And you got to do that. But ultimately, guys like you and me, we're going to build until we die. There is no, there is no retirement for A-level alpha entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm still very young. And so I, I've, yeah. I've done multiple little businesses here, there. This is honestly the company I could say that has been the most successful for us, but you know, I've had a little minor exits here or there, but I can tell you that, uh, already I'm feeling it in this company where I'm like, I love this. and I want to do this to the day I die. But then I had, I had a mentor of mine was like, is this really going to be your legacy product? Josh, you're, you're, you're 29 years old. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. When you put it in that perspective, it made me feel idiotic. But then it was really funny because he turned to another guy in the room, asked him that exact same question. He was like 60. He's like, you're really going to quit at 60, right? And it was the exact same answer I thought was so intriguing. Because yeah. like you're saying is it's like, it's that itch. It's, it's you know, taking on to that next thing. So I am curious, like, what would you say to somebody who's like, this is my legacy project project or my legacy project? Like, what would you... Would you say something like that? What What's their, I mean, do they have a question or are they just saying that, Hey, this is all I want to do forever. All I want to do forever. Like, do you think they should carry on with it? Or do you think that they should pursue the I, next thing? I've never heard that before. I mean, I've never, even from friends that I have that have billion dollar plus companies, I've never heard an entrepreneur say that because similarly, just when there's, you get this seller's remorse when you're getting ready to exit from one of these companies being in it is always rough and you think your problem your business has problems right? and you think fuck man if i just get into some other business i'm in products if i just got into service or you're in service you're like man service sucks i got to deal with clients maybe if i just got into physical products i wouldn't have this issue then you get into physical products and you realize you have inventory and defects and returns and you're like fuck 
you eventually begin to realize that every business has problems, right? You get into strict investing. You're like, look, fucking hate people. I hate products. I hate service. I'm just going to invest. And then you realize, whoa, there's volatility, right? You can wake up in the morning and all your money's gone. So that business has problems. Every business has problems. The difference between the guys that win and the guys that lose is that you have systems and you look upstream. So you aren't replicating the same problems day in and day out. You have a problem once, then you build a process and knowing that that problem could reoccur, you thought about it upstream. So next time when it happens, you might not have a solution right away, but you have a series of actions that you can take. And so for me, ultimately, that's how I resolve things rather than than thinking of it that way. And I think, look, if somebody says they're doing something, it's going to be their legacy and that's all they want to do forever. Cool. I got no problem with that. Good for you. Keep keep going there. And if and and look, if a company is cash flowing and you have that cash flow coming in, which means the market has recognized your excellence by putting money in your bank and you have regular sources of recurring revenue, then dude, why sell? Selling has tax implications. It's and you know, what are you going to do next? And you know, there's all of these different factors. So hang on to that. But very few people do I know that are literally married to their their company, at, le- at least successful entrepreneurs. There's a price for everything. So if you talk to them, say, hey, would you keep it still if someone offered you a billion with a B? Would you keep it if somebody offered you 10 billion, 50 billion, 100 billion? At some point, they're going to say, yeah, I-, I would sell it. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's funny. I-, I love asking questions like this because what you're getting to here is, Interestingly enough, I hear this question almost every day. I'm like, oh, I just, I, this is this is my life project. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But then a year later, they've changed their project. You know, <laughs> so it's really interesting to see like people's answers to that one. You know, and you you mentioned here just a few seconds ago, Shane, like people making incremental shifts and, and implementing systems. Do you find that? the way that you go about it is that you still are the one who builds a system or, or do you have somebody else who builds the systems in your company? Now we have systems for sims, symptoms for symptoms. We've got systems for systems in place. So there's a great book by Dan Heath called Upstream, which is amazing. I recommend it to everybody. I've got nothing to do with it. Um, but Upstream talks about solving problems in your organization before they happen, which is super essential, right? Yeah. So I handle an agency now, a podcasting agency called Podcast Cola, where we book people on great shows. It's like you and me were talking about it. It's like an all-you-can-eat model. Someone signs up, you pay a monthly fee, and we just get you booked on like as many shows as you can handle. It's so freaking we, brilliant, by the way, for those of you listening. Carry on. Thanks, <laughs> thanks buddy. I appreciate it. Anyone that's interested, go to podcastcola.com. I'm happy to talk to you about that outside of this. But so- we're managing a large team of publicists. And one of the things that I learned is if you want to be effective, and we also do VAs. So we have virtual assistants and in, in all over the world, South and Central America, particularly that are highly trained to be able to help take a load off your workload, right? So we've got to train these girls. And the thing that I've learned is that when you have a VA, that VA Uh, has a certain amount of value. We call them an A-level VA. But, But if that VA can build systems and train another VA, 
they become level two. We call that self-replicating drone. Okay. And if somebody is a self-replicating drone, and I don't mean that uh, derogatorily, yeah, derogatory, yeah. derogatory, derogatorious. <laughs> you can make up words uh, on this show. Nobody will question it. <laughs> we're going to do that. Yeah. English, not my first language. Um, so if, if you can, if you can build that self-replicating drone, that's going to have an order of magnitude value higher than the initial one. The third level to that is a management drone. And that is somebody who can not only build other drones, but manage the infrastructure of them. And so within our organization, we have all three of those types of people. So the input coming from me is very low, but the output coming from them is very high. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting about this is it's, it's that concept of leverageability that it's kind of this, it's the goal that everybody wants and never can seem to attain, right? Until you know, you've, you've built multiple companies, I feel like, and you start to realize that you're not the bee's knees. It's okay to just remove yourself from the process. But I, I'm really intrigued by this because so I went through your, your website before this interview, Podcast Cola, and I went to book a sales call and it was booking with you. Does it actually go to you? Are you the one who takes the calls? Sometimes I'll take the calls. Yeah. So we're still in startup mode. You know, like like we said, we're under 200 clients right now. So we're still kind of like a, a homegrown startup agency. Still one we of the do, biggest out there at 200, but yes, carry on. Yeah. And, <laughs> You're and such we a humble still, guy. <laughs> well, we still deal well. We, you know, we got to get up to a couple thousand in the next year, which is our goal. So in order to do that, we got to grow and build systems. And look, I strongly believe that if you're starting a company, there's things that you can't delegate. And one of them is going to be your sales process. You got to do that yourself. You got to get on the call. For every company that I've had, I've been the number one salesperson. Once you learn how to do that and how your sales process works, then you can train and delegate and monitor carefully. But why would I let anybody else handle that part of the process until we have it down pat and have it easily replicatable. So I do have other salespeople on, but right now, if somebody comes on board and and books through Podcast Cola, you'll get me and I'm happy to talk to you and get you going and, you know, and to learn. And also, look, this is another thing that I found interesting about most successful people and almost all of my friends. And I noticed this about you too, Josh is that successful people are interested in other people. And I am fascinated by other humans. I'm just genuinely interested. Like, where are you at? What makes you tick? What's your business? How did you get into that? And sometimes I'll get on the call with a client. They'll book a strategy call with me. And we do these free 15-minute strategy calls where I kind of try to map out where they would be best and strategically placed on which podcasts and whatnot. And we do that for free. Um, for anybody that comes on and books, but I'll do that. And then I'll just spend the first 10 minutes listening to them. Tell me about like their life and their business and how they got into oil engineering or how they got into this. And I'm fascinated by that. And people sense that genuine interest and that genuine fascination. And what they'll do is they'll feel more free or comfortable to give you the information to see if you can help them become successful. And so that sales process goes very organically. I don't use any scripts. I don't use any special tactics and tricks. I mean, I know, you know, I'm a student of NLP. I'm a student of hypnosis. I've had every sales training there is. I've trained teams of 200 plus people. I've done all of that. But when I get on the phone with someone, I'm just me. And more importantly, 
It's not about me. It's about you. So I try to learn, like, what makes you tick? What are you interested in? And can we really service you? Because if we can't, then, you know, I'll help you the most that I can and give you as much direction as I can. But we're short on time. We got to get to that target number. So I'll kiss you on the forehead and scoot you out the door so the next person can come in. We can actually help and promote. Yeah. Hypothetically, I don't kiss anybody. Just yeah, I was like, I was like, physically? <laughs> That's way outside my comfort zone. <laughs> we, do, we do everything on Zoom. Oh, okay. For, yeah, he kisses the camera. <laughs> fortunately. Fortunately. Yeah, fortunately. That's just for all of your safety. Um, <laughs> I love that. You know, it's so intriguing. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of pull this out from a sidestep perspective here is that we, we preach this in podcasting to all of our clients because everybody who comes to us to start a podcast, they're like, man, oh, like, can you train me how to be a better podcaster? And I'm like, just mm. be curious. I mean- I, I will never ask you scripted questions. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm genuinely curious about this. I, I wanted to know, like, do you take sales calls, right? That's, it's a genuine curiosity curiosity of mine. I've actually stepped out of a sales role recently, very sure. recently, last like two months, because we finally had our sales system in place to where I could go, okay, I don't have to deal with that anymore. I can take, but like, I'll be honest with you, I miss it. It's my favorite part of what I do because you get to hear from the people, get to know them and like, you figure out what what they need and you can give it to them. So I, I really like that you still did the sales side. And for those of you, you know, listening to this, if you weren't listening to the intro, this is a guy who's done over a billion dollars and he's still taking sales calls for his company. And I, I, like you said, I'm assuming it's not your full-time job by any means, but like that's, that's a lesson in and of itself that I hope you guys will take as a takeaway from this. And because we're running up on the end of the time here, Shaheen, I want to ask you just a couple other questions here to, to kind of wrap it up, which is number one, like, what would be an actionable tip you could give to our audience, knowing that they are agency owners and coaches who are looking to break into that, you know, seven figure, eight figure mark. What's like one tip that you could give them that you feel like would actually, if they were to go apply it today, could just take a few minutes so they could be successful. Um, yeah. So I'll give you success. super easy. So I'll tell you guys the hack and a lot of people might disagree with this, but being in the podcast business for a couple of years now and doing over 300 podcasts all over the world, everything from Adam Carolla, you know, down to smaller shows. One thing that I've learned is that to be successful on podcasts, it's important that you have your own podcast. It's equally as important that you have an engaged audience. And the fastest way to grow an engaged audience is to borrow that audience from somebody who's already spent the time, money, and energy building it. So the hack is go on other people's shows. And I say this not just as a founder of Podcast Cola and a podcast booker who books other people on podcasts, but truly the easiest way for you to grow your audience, to grow your viewership, to grow your engagement is to get on shows that you admire, shows that have done what you want to do, and to pitch your show or whatever else it is that you're doing to their audience and then borrow your audience and grow your audience that way. That's really the fastest way. So for everybody there, when you're brushing your teeth or whatever it is that you're doing, think about that. Think about how you can grow your audience by borrowing other people's, right? If your party at home is a little bit of a dud, can you walk over next door to your neighbor's party and pull some people over to your house? Not really, but in the podcasting world, you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful tip. I love that. 
And now you're all going to be brushing your teeth thinking about whose audience do I borrow? I love it. <laughs> I'll use that example, Shaheen. Inside joke, guys. Sorry, if you want to learn more about it, you're going to have to listen to more of the show because I talk about that a lot. So Shaheen, I, first off, I'm just going to give one final shout out for you. Everybody go check out podcastcola.com. It's .com, correct? Not .ai yep. or anything. Okay. Podcastcola.com. Make sure you guys go check that out. Podcast Cola. Um, I can honestly tell you guys, I've I've worked with a lot of booking agencies with this show. This is a really, really cool offer. Go hop over there. Be one of their next few hundred shows. They're going to 2000 is the goal, sounds like. So, and they're at 200. Do it before they raise the price, guys. I'm not going to tell you the price. You're going to have to go and talk to Shaheen and the team, but you want to get over there right now. I'm just going to put it that way. So, Shaheen, just to kind of wrap this up with a beautiful little bow is, is could you give us one final parting piece of guidance for our audience? Yeah, I think ultimately when you're doing podcasts, when you're doing shows, don't focus on selling. Focus on offering and bringing value. Be yourself, be genuine, be authentic, and people will come to you to buy whatever it is that you're selling just because of your energy, just because of the dynamic person that you are, they're going to want a piece of whatever it is that you have there. It's like that movie when Harry met Sally and they're sitting at the table and the ladies moan, she'll have, I'll have what she's having. That's what you want. You want to sell people through the authenticness of who you are and the excellence of what you offer, not because you're shoving your product or service down someone's throat. And the best way to do that is through storytelling. So I recommend spending your time really refining the stories that you share and the value that they bring. And by being able to do that, you will pull people to you rather than push your product on people. And that's really where you want to be in, in life and in your business. You'll have more business than you'll know what to do with. And people will be beating down your door if you do that. 